I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. By, I believe it's 2030 or 2040, women will control the majority of the wealth on the planet. A lot of that is from inheritance. A lot of that is from, there's different reasons for that increase in single parent households, whatever, whatever it is, but we will control the majority of the money. And so we have to take the time now to start building the skills so that we feel confident to manage that money well, because money is a tool that we can put in places that make a better community. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 519 with guest Chelsea Brennan. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Guess what we're talking about today? We're talking about money. One of the, I don't want to say final frontiers, but one of the many frontiers I think that most of us, many of us, some of us feel challenged by, and there's lots of layers to this onion, this money onion, wouldn't you say? I, I have found that to be true. That's why I've had several guests come on to talk about it. I love hearing from different guests and how they approach it and some things that they say might resonate, even if you've heard it before. So we're talking to Chelsea Brennan about that today. One quick thing I want to remind you of that I haven't talked about for a long time is that I am a keynote speaker and I also do virtual keynotes. And when we think of it is that I'm, I'm doing an event for someone, a woman who came to one of my, tr my retreats. She works for this big company and she was like, hey, we're doing some professional development. Let's get on the phone and see if what you speak on might be a good fit. And what I do mostly is I talk about, I am your quintessential motivational speaker. I am your hype girl the consummate hype girl I am. I bring my experience as a roller derby player into one of my keynotes and it's really fun. I do not get up on skates though because I was not a great player, let's be honest. But it's a really fun keynote. People like it because there's so many misconceptions about roller derby. 
And also I talk about confidence. That keynote is mostly for a women-only audience, people who identify as women. So you can head on over to andreaowen.com and check out my speaking page, andreaowen.com slash speaking to see if it might be a good fit for your company, the company that you work at. And let's move into our conversation about money. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest Chelsea is the founder of Smart Money Mamas and its monthly membership community, the Motivated Mama Society, an ex-hedge fund manager turned financial educator. She is dedicated to changing the way we talk about money, helping women connect with all aspects of their money in a way that lets them overcome emotional blocks, identify what they most want, and create healthy money habits that help them achieve their biggest goals all while modeling positive money relationships for the next generation. So without further ado, here is Chelsea. Chelsea, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Andrea. I'm excited. I am really excited to talk about this because as I was mentioning before we started recording, I am not an expert on money. I love money. Quick story. I got fired. I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast. I got fired um, from being a bank teller because I could not balance my drawer. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) I was terrible at the job because I talked to the customers too much. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, the, so podcasting seems like the perfect place for you. <laughs> I know, exactly. Speaking on stages, writing books and talking to people on the podcast, I, I found my perfect career. Um, yes, but finance is not where, where it's at. That's why I love having guests like you on to come on and talk to us about it. And, and I would love to, let's start from money mindset, because for those people that might be a little bit newer to the show, let me just kind of give you a quick history of where I am with the whole like abundance mindset And I know you and I are on the same page with this, but so back in 2011, I feel like it was, or maybe even 2010, I hired my first coach. She was wonderful. And she was, um, she taught me about the law of attraction and it was big back then. Remember it was like, Oh yeah. It was very in (laughs) the secret and all that stuff. And so it actually helped me a lot. And I, I asked her one question one time, I remember asking her, what about, you know, people, you know, money aside, what about people who have just had really difficult things happen to them. Like egregious things happen. Uh, Did they manifest it? Like, it seems absurd. And she said they had a soul contract before they were born to go through those, those things. So I felt like it was like they manifested it, but she was like kind of tiptoeing around it. And ever since then I was like, absolutely not. I can't, with that. So that being said, (laughs) and I know that's not what you would answer. Talk to us about like, what is a money or abundance mindset? And also can we acknowledge like that whole part of the kind of industry or field, if you will, of abundance mindset? I'm throwing you into the deep end, Chelsea. I'm I'm sorry. Not sorry. (laughs) I am ready for it. This is like my favorite thing to talk about. So let's talk about money mindset first, aside from the abundance. Let's leave this abundance aside for a second. Your money mindset is your complete set of beliefs that of what, how you think money works in the world and how you are capable of handling money. And so this all comes for a lot of us from childhood and what we see in our surroundings. So obviously this is already steeped in privilege. One of the things we talk about on our platform a lot is what we call the money hierarchy of needs. So I assume you're uh, familiar with Maslow's. Yes. Okay. So we take each level of Maslow's and we talk about how those are really different levels of financial security, right? Physiological at the bottom being, do you have a safe place to live and food and just 
the right clothes to keep mm-hmm. you warm and safe, right? Security being the next step. Do you not have to face a lot of high interest debt or payday loans? Do you have an emergency fund? Are you not living paycheck to paycheck? Moving up and moving up through the pyramid. And so when we talk about privilege and what we see and how we build our mindsets. If you're someone who's born into a household who's still really at that bottom level of the pyramid, that physiological need, you're going to build a lot of fear around money, right? Because mm-hmm. this is intrinsic to our safety and our ability to live our lives. And so, yeah, you have these these big thoughts that you know you, there's never enough and that money can be scary and that money results in you not having what you need. And there's different people have different responses to growing up that way. Some people stay there. They assume that they are just always going to be poor and this is how it's going to be. Some people become what we call security seekers. And so they hoard money. They don't even know how to enjoy it because they're just like, no, what if something happens? What if something happens? Alternatively, if you're born into a higher level, even that, even that just security level where you know, you didn't hear your parents arguing about money. You didn't, you were never evicted. You're really more in that security or love and belonging area your views of money are going to be very different and the experiences are very different. And so when we talk about money mindset, we think about what did you decide about money when you were a kid? And let's touch here real quick too, because there's two sides of this, right? There's obviously a lot of privilege, but there's also trauma is trauma. And so there are people that were born maybe at a higher tax bracket that still had experiences that put them in a negative money mindset, right? Mm -hmm. That may be a fear mindset or a limited mindset with money. And so research shows that we set our core money beliefs around age seven, um, which blows a lot of people's minds, right? And they're like, how is that even possible? My seven-year-old like barely know, you know, barely has ever used money. And the reason is around age three, we understand the basic concept of money. We understand we give money to somebody and we get something back. Between the ages of three and seven, we see money being transacted around us. We understand that money is what keeps us in our home. We understand that whether or not we want can get that toy in the grocery store mm-hmm. um, or in Target is related to money. And so because human beings, you know, are adapted to stay alive and to stay safe, we need rules because our brain can't constantly question everything that we see. It would be way too distracting. Between the ages of three and seven, we see things happening and we make decisions about money. These are often very black and white decisions. They're made with limited perspective because you're six and seven years old and they may not even be right, but it's a moment, right? It's mom saying in the grocery store, no, you can't have that toy because dad only gave me so much money. And you decide at six or seven that dad is the one who determines what's worth, what's valuable with money. He's probably that dad's in general. Are the dads in general or mm-hmm. men in general or whatever the decision is, right? You make these big assumptions. And so when we talk about mindset, once we make that decision, our brains look for proof of what we already believe. It is much more stable to do that. And so if you're listening to this and you're 30, 40, 50 years old, you might have been carrying around these mindset things that you decided at seven for decades. Mm-hmm. And you've never actually looked at them and said, hey, do I believe, does this align with who I am as a person? Um, does this align with what I want for myself? Is this, are there ways that I've been getting in my own way because I believe this? So when we talk about mindset, we talk about really unpacking how do you understand that money works in the world now with greater perspective, with greater understanding? What do you want to choose to believe? And how do we build a bridge from where you are to where you want to be? And so 
The reason this is so important is because we only do see opportunities based on whatever our mindset is. We will block out things that don't agree with us. And so, yes, we come back to privilege. If you've never seen a family member, a friend, a loved one who wasn't in debt, it is going to be really hard for you, like really hard for you to pay off debt. Right. And become debt free because you just don't, that's not even in your brain as something that is possible. And no matter how many people tell you it is until you work on that and figure out why that exists for you and how you can make it better, you're going to self-sabotage along the way along that goal. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I wouldn't say is somebody who, you know, has had really horrible things happen to them or is living in poverty. I don't think they manifested those choices. I don't think that they did anything. I think that they were exposed to a certain set of beliefs and that we also have these major injustices across racial classes and sexual orientation, all of those things that do hold people back. But the combination of those things left them there. And while mindset can't fix all the big things, it can't fix the social injustices, it can let you see greater opportunities and make better choices to move yourself forward. Thank you for for explaining that so so clearly. And it's been a minute since I've had anyone, probably a couple of years on the podcast talking about money stories. And still, every time I hear someone talk about it or I read a book about it, I'm only probably halfway clear on what mine are. And I get a little bit envious of people or colleagues or friends that are super clear on what theirs are. You know, for instance, they remember very young. I have one friend who um, her parents were Christian missionaries and she always felt like a charity case. And so, you know, that shaped her money stories. Yeah. And then I have other friends who, came from money and it just was always there. And so they've always had this abundant um, mindset. And mine is trickier because what's interesting is it it seems conflicting. My parents, they were working class. Both my parents worked and money was never discussed at all. And (laughs) I mean, I did see my dad only paying the bills. So that probably played into it. But one interesting thing is that they were very clear about debt and that they didn't have any, or if they did, they would pay it off right away. I don't know what why or or what, but I knew that very clearly. However, I got into a tremendous amount of debt in my twenties. I was also an addict. So I <laughs> sure that, that I feel like there's like nuance probably unique oh, yeah. with different people. But one thing, and I've told the story on the podcast before, forgive me listeners for repeating myself, but I found it interesting in 2015, I had an epiphany because I had hit an earning plateau. And as entrepreneurs, many times we are, you know, our earning potential is infinite. And yep. I had I had hit this earning plateau that kind of didn't really make any sense. And what I uncovered was that um, you know both my parents were working class. Um, I had a I had a very happy childhood. I'm very blessed in that way. Except when I um, my dad got a different job. He was a real estate agent. He started making a lot more money. We moved. We left our my childhood house and bought a new house. And it was you know my dad drove a Mercedes and kind of everything shifted. <laughs> and that's also when my parents' marriage fell apart. And Mm. they eventually got divorced right after I graduated high school. So I had a subconscious belief that, that making more money in a family and, you know, maybe even wealth, I wouldn't consider us wealthy, but it was definitely a change from, from what I had grown up with that will cause your family to fall apart. Yes. So that was a pretty big deal. And, and quite honestly, it changed a lot of things. I started making more money and, but which kind of brings me to my, my question is, is it's interesting because that was super helpful. And I sort of thought, 
I was like, I'm home free. Like, <laughs> this is it. But now like, every few years I find like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. And I have to sort of like unpack this money drama in my head. So please tell me I'm not the only one. Oh my goodness. No. So this is Andrea. Oh my goodness. We get people come to us all the time and they're like, just give me the answer, right? Like right. what's the best budgeting tool? And I'm like, I don't know. What's your goal? What's your personality? What's your hangups? Like there's a different tool for everyone. You know, one of my things I say all the time is there's no one right way to do money. And that this is a journey. Like, let's go back to the money hierarchy of needs for a second. Because money is intricately tied to our humanity, our ability to stay safe, that just the the realities of living in a capitalist system, we are always going to have to deal with money. And there's going to be new things that come up at different stages of our lives. This is an ongoing thing. And so for some people, you're right. They're going to have a moment. Maybe it was a really impactful moment, a really traumatic moment that when you talk to them about this, they're like, oh yeah, this day in like March, you know, 1992, this is when I had this moment. And some people, they're not, they're going to hear about this idea of money mindset of money stories and money histories. And it's going to take them a while. They're going to be aware that they're there and they're going to go about their lives. And they're going to have moments like you brought up where you're like, oh, wow, now I see what's going on. And then you'll unpack that and you'll work on it until the next thing comes up. It's actually why, you know, when we looked at building our business, we chose to go a membership route as opposed to a standalone course, because this is not something you do once, right? right? This is something you need support on on a regular basis. And you're always unpacking it. And I think the thing is too, on women and earnings plateaus are a really common one, right? Hmm. And so I have an entrepreneur friend who definitely grew up with the money is evil kind of mindset mm-hmm. given to her on a regular basis. People who struggled with money were harder working. They were more deserving, whatever it was, right? Uh-huh. And, and rich people were lazy. And so her business hit a certain plateau. It was, it was much more than she ever thought she was going to make. And then in the following six months, her father died of cancer. Her She went into marriage therapy the first time. And she calls me and she's like, I think my business is destroying my life. And this is a person who does not overwork, right? This is not, that's not the problem. And she was convinced that it was the money that was creating this problem. And she didn't realize it until she hit that earning point and like really was at a point where she was like, should I just shut this down? And there was a lot of work that had to be done of like, okay, you did not manifest this happening to your father. This is a horrible thing that happened, but like, where is that coming from that you think you possibly have the universal power to even mm-hmm, create that to mm-hmm. happen? And then in your relationship, this is something that comes up a lot too, where partners, when they're in a place of struggle, you know, obviously money is a huge issue in relationships in general. But let's, but when you get on the same page and you're like, we're going to get out of debt, we're going to break the paycheck to paycheck cycle. You guys are fighting the big scary monster together, right? You have a goal that you're on the same page, you're saving money. And there's all this push towards whatever that one thing is, buying your first house, paying off debt. When that goal goes away, when you've achieved it, or you start to earn more money, that doesn't create problems in your relationship but it does remove all the little day-to-day problems. So now whatever was going on underneath is more evident, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not focused on the debt. You're not focused on the mess around the house because you, you can hire somebody to come in and clean once a week. And then all of a sudden those things are more prevalent. But until you reach that point, you might not realize that you think 
money is going to create, make you a worse person or money is going to, you know, do ruin your life or whatever it is. And so this is just something that, yeah, we're always going to be working on. And you don't know what your hangups are until you put yourself in the situation and that you have the awareness. You've listened to podcasts like this where you're like, okay, I understand that there's something in the background that you can know for the signs to look for it. There's definitely been times in my life where my paycheck ran out before I got paid again, and I wish I could have accessed my next paycheck a few days before I was due to get it. Well, what if I told you that can happen with Earnin? Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash noise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash noise to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash noise. Oh gosh, there's so much. Uh, we could do like a three-parter on this. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to the script here because I, I really want to talk about investing. I talked about it briefly in um, Make Some Noise, my latest book, I, especially around the topic of women and saving for retirement, you know, IRAs, et cetera. So what should, what do you think women listening should do about building a financial, I don't know, financial legacy? <laughs> It seems like such a big deal, but even just like investing at, for for long term equity, like where okay. where does one even start? So so funny in April, first week of April, we did our leave a, the legacy you leave event. We did a whole event around moms and women building financial legacy. And so one of the first points I want to make that's a big word, right? It's kind of yeah. like a scary word, like you it just does. said. It is, yeah. And so when we think about financial legacy, when we think about generational wealth, the first thing we think about is dollars in the bank. It's just what we do, right? Like what is the, are we going to be able to leave my kids enough money to, you know, send their kids to school or buy their first house or whatever it is. But that's legacy isn't one decision or one moment in time at the end of your life. Your legacy is all the decisions you make along the way. And so this work that you're doing on your mindset today 
That's the legacy, right? Because we talk about how our kids, we picked up all our limiting beliefs from watching our parents, from watching our community. And so if you can build a better relationship with money and model that better for your kids, that's a financial Mm -hmm. legacy. If you can teach them some of these skills while they're still young, even if you're learning alongside them, because we hear from a lot from, from women who are like, how am I supposed to teach my kids or my nieces or nephews when I don't know what I'm doing? Well, come alongside them and say, hey, this is really important. I wish I learned it. Like, do you want to work on it? with me together. And so all of that builds to legacy. But let's talk about investing because we absolutely have a gender gap in investing in wealth building in general. It's pretty massive. Despite that, by I believe it's 2030 or 2040, women will control the majority of the wealth on the planet. A lot of that is from inheritance. A lot of that is from, there's different reasons for that increase in single parent households, whatever, whatever it is. But we will control the majority of the money. And so we have to take the time now to start building the skills so that we feel confident to manage that money well, because money is a tool that we can put in places that make us make a better community, right? We can support local businesses. We can decide to not support organizations that you know take advantage of their workers. We can invest in companies that are doing good things. All these, all these reasons that women in general look at money as a way, as, as, as how it impacts their families and their greater community. Whereas men in general, once again, we're talking in generalities, people who identify as men think about more of how money impacts them in their individual life. And so there's a lot of power here. When we talk about investing, where we really want to start is just getting involved. And so whether that's, you know, $5 a paycheck, $5 a month, whether that's, you know, okay, I got my tax refund and I'm going to take $500 of it. I'm going to put it in my IRA, which is an individual retirement account or my 401k. We want to get the ball rolling because we have to build this relationship that I am a person who invests and we have to see how the market works and start to understand the terms. We get stuck often, women in general get stuck often in analysis paralysis where we want to fully understand everything that we're doing before we jump in. Right. We need to be an expert at it first. We need to be an expert. And that's just A, not entirely necessary. And B, the system is created to make it hard to do that. Mm -hmm. And so when you watch TikToks or you know YouTube or whatever, and people are talking about crypto and derivatives and options and all these things that, by the way, like just don't need to be a part of your normal portfolio anyway. Yeah, I don't even know what any of that means. So it's fine. No, <laughs> and you shouldn't because it's like, not don't relevant, care. Yeah. right? And so when research suggests that buying an index fund, and for those of you who don't know what an index fund is, it's basically a slice of everything in the market, and there's different. Yeah different types, but what's your, you know, you could buy a total stock market index fund. And that means you own a tiny piece of every single public company in, in the country. Doing that wins on average over time, like 90 plus percent of the time versus mm-hmm. trying That's to like active have and have had for a long time. And what that means is, you know, people talk to me all the time, Andrew. So my background is I was a hedge fund investor. That's what I did. I managed a did 1. You know that right before this episode, I had to look up because I hear it all the time and I'm like, what? Does that even mean? So I Googled. <laughs> Speaking of like terms that are just meant to confuse people, right? Um, I'm like, is but it like I mean, a hedgehog is involved or what? So I, I did stock analysis um, 
in, in New York and on Wall Street at Goldman Sachs first. And then I moved on to this hedge fund where I managed $1.4 billion. And so people come to me and like, well, what are you doing? Like, what's your hot stock tip? Oh my gosh. Especially my in-laws friends and my parents' friends, like that generation. I bet they're super impressed. Yeah. <laughs> they are, but they're also just like, what's your hot stock tip? And I'm like, listen, I'm in all index funds. Almost everyone I worked with is in all index funds. Like yeah. you just, you don't... It takes so much time and energy to try to beat the market. Um, you're trying to protect the future, predict the future, which, like you know, we can't do. Like, right. just like a hard pass, <laughs> not going to happen. And so, choosing something, and, and when so people do say sometimes, like, well, if I did a lot of research, like I think I'd feel better if I could pick every single company that I'm investing in. And so I want to wait until I fully understand. I am a huge proponent that you have way more control and your time is way more valuable. Increasing your skills to earn more money at work, you're going to get a better return. Mm -hmm. Taking the time to rest and just not put yourself in a position of burnout, you're going to have the ability to be more financially successful than trying to like beat the market by a little bit. And so instead, choose something simple. Choose a target date retirement fund. Choose an index fund. Start small and just set a goal of every month you're going to increase it a little bit. If you have the privilege of having access to a 401k, especially with a match, which means that you put in a certain amount and your company will put in a matching amount up to a certain point, make sure you're getting that match because that's free money. You're never going to beat the return of free money. Um, I never understood what that actually meant when I was working in corporate America. I never fully, like if somebody, if I would have asked, but also if somebody would have taken the time to say like, Hey, here's how this is going to benefit you. And like kind of drawn it out on a piece of paper, I would have been like, Oh, so it's like literally free money. Like I would have (laughs) I would have put in as much as possible, but I didn't know. So I'm just like, oh, whatever, whatever you think, or just skipped it altogether. It's not well explained. And then I felt stupid. And then I didn't want to ask any questions. Exactly. It's a cycle. I mean, and you see, you get this paperwork, guys. And this is, if you have people in your life, obviously you've learned this now, but this comes back to legacy, right? If you have young coworkers around you, if you have kids or nieces or nephews that are getting their first job talk to them about this Mm -hmm. because this is where we lose that opportunity of the time value. We lose that free money because when you read it, it's like company will match 2% up to 4% vesting over four years. Like that's the line. And you're like, well, what the hell does that mean? Like, what does that have to do with me? Like, that's that's all we want to know, right? Like, how is this going to benefit me? (laughs) What is vesting? What is 2% to 4%? Like, what are you talking about? And so making it something that can be easily understood and passing that knowledge on when you have it is a powerful thing. Yeah, This is all built. This whole system is built to make it so that you have to pay higher fees and higher expensive people to make it make sense. This is not actually a complicated thing. I check my investments twice a year for 10 minutes. That's mm-hmm. all it takes. This is not something that needs to become a second job. This is not something that needs to overwhelm you. I joke that it's just the one place in your portfolio, in your in, financial life where the best thing you could do is put your head in the sand. Like, yeah. don't worry about headlines. Don't worry about the rate, latest hot thing. Create a system, automate it, and let it ride. That's so the are you? Let me, let me get this straight. So are you um, like against people hiring financial advisors? I'm not against people hiring financial advisors. I think financial advisors have their place. I think that what a lot of people don't understand is that the majority of financial advisors don't have what's called fiduciary duty. And so fiduciary duty means they have to act in their best interest. Most people do, most financial people who call themselves financial advisors, which by the way, is not a well-regulated term. 
Oh, kind of like life coaching. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, there's insurance. You'll they'll find a lot of like insurance salesmen that call themselves financial advisors. Uh-huh. Um, and so they'll try to sell you, you know, permanent life insurance and things that are high fee don't necess- aren't necessarily a good fit for you. They once again they have their place, but usually for a very small percentage of the population, but they get sold because they have a high commission associated with them. And so there's a lot of that that goes on. And so for a financial advisor, I think if you're someone who is just at the beginning. Um, you don't have a large amount of assets. This is something you can do on your own. If you are someone who has done a little bit of the research, right? We have a free uh, Money Mama's Guide to Investing, which is not mom specific, and we can send you guys the link that'll give you it's a few pages and it's everything you really need to know to invest. If you've done the research, you understand the basics, you know what an index fund is, you understand that the market is naturally going to go up and down and that there's risk involved in investing, and yet you still think, hey, I would benefit from somebody else helping me with this Mm -hmm. in a sense of like when the market goes down and I'm panicking, somebody that I have to call to try to sell that's going to be like, excuse me, calm down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't do that. Then financial advisors have a good place. If you have a massive amount of money or you've come into a lot of money quickly, right? Through an inheritance, through a huge job opportunity, financial advisors have their place. I think for many people, you really want to make sure you find a good one. You want to make sure that the cost and benefit are balanced out? Are you going to see the increased return from working with them? And do you still understand the basics of what they're doing? Mm -hmm. I don't like not engaging at all in how investing in the market works and just handing it over to somebody else because that's where you end up in situations where things happen that you didn't want to happen because you didn't know. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that and and clarifying. I've always had one and I sort of inherited my first financial advisor in my first marriage from Mm -hmm. my former in-laws. And honestly, I thank them for that because I would have never even approached investing at all if it weren't for them and for that financial advisor. And then when we moved to North Carolina, because it was a different state, we ended up switching and I made sure to hire a woman. I got a referral partly because A, I like supporting women, especially in finance. And I wanted my children to see a woman working at that level of finance. And I, yes, I trust her implicitly. She she is the person that I call. And I, I also like her as a, as a human. <laughs> mm-hmm. She just, everything in, is in alignment with our values and we've been really happy with her. And yes, she's the person that we call, you know, when March, 2020 happened and she was yeah. like, absolutely do not sell. <laughs> Trying to find the perfect gift for someone special in your life, maybe for Mother's Day, but feeling overwhelmed, finding a unique gift that they'll love that's personal and that they won't already have can be the ultimate challenge. That's why I'm so excited I've discovered Songfinch. It's an amazing, thoughtful gift, and it's easy and fun to make. Songfinch lets you create an original radio-quality song inspired by your own life and the people you love. It's completely unique, personal, and lasts forever. I had Songfinch make me a song about my dad, which was a gift to myself. This was such a personal song for me, and I was a little skeptical the artist could capture the emotion I wanted. But during the process, they have you share some personal details about your relationship with the person you're creating the song for. Then a Songfinch musician of your choice, you get to pick based on samples they have, will write, record, and produce your original song in just four to seven days. I love my song so much. I was so emotional when I listened to it. I had no changes. It's perfect. 
Whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, wedding, or anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free, so you and the lucky person you gift it to can listen to it anywhere, anytime. Go to songfinch.com noise and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, a $50 value. Again, my URL is songfinch.com slash noise. Don't forget to share your song with us too. songfinch.com slash noise. I've taken several classes with Masterclass on things like communication, entrepreneurship, and storytelling and absolutely loved everyone because of their caliber of instructors and how concise the classes are. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. You can make new habits with New York Times bestselling author James Clear, improve your physical and mental well-being with leading gut health experts, or build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perel. She is so amazing. I had gotten curious about how to be a better communicator, so I took the Art of Negotiation class with Chris Voss, and it helped me to do things like read body language, read speech patterns, and so much more, so I can better communicate with who you ask? My teenagers. (laughs) Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Andrea. Masterclass.com slash Andrea. But I also wanted to to circle back to something that you said around legacy. You know, when I see that word and I hear the term generational wealth, which, you know, for people who aren't in our entrepreneurial circles, (laughs) That's a term that gets talked about quite a lot. And to be honest with you, for a while there, it was freaking me out. I'm like, okay, so not only do I have to make enough money to support my family, but now I also need to like allow my children and their children to be rich as well. And I felt like that's where people were. It was kind of like the new six figures, you know? And I was like, okay, no, I, I just, I was really torn with a, probably that's my own money shit. And I don't know if I want to just hand this over to my children and my future children. So I want to just say something quickly that was helpful for me to kind of come to terms with that. And I thought about, okay, what could my parents have given me that they didn't, not to their fault, you know, just yep. they did their, their best. What could they have given me that would have made my life less stressful, not easier per se, but just less stressful that I didn't get. And especially, especially because if you look at Gen Z and Gen Alpha, what they are facing in terms of growing up in a capitalistic (laughs) country is very different than um, my parents' generation, which was the silent generation, baby boomers, and even Gen X. I'm a Gen Xer. And it is very different for for all these different... In other words, it's it's getting more challenging. Absolutely. You own property, et cetera, et cetera. So what I decided was, A, I don't want my par- my kids to have student loan debt because I still have student loan debt, which I have paid over and I just don't even want to talk about it. Like, <laughs> it makes me cry. Um, and I only have a bachelor's degree. It's like, <laughs> and owning property. Like I want them to be able to put down a down payment. I didn't do it until I was 40, but I, but we were, you know, we, ha- Jason and I have enough privilege and good credit 
that we were able to do that. It makes me nervous for my children to think about, yeah. you know, they're only 12 and 14, but these are the things that keep me up at night. I'm like, oh my God, I, are they going to be able to have the same things that I have, that we have? And so all that to say, that's what I decided that, that I, that's the legacy I want to leave for them. I want them to have good feelings around money and understand, you know, that kind of mindset as well as be able to buy property. You know, if we have to help them, then we will, as well as not have any student loan debt. I like it. I like that you've thought this through. This is a lot of what we were doing in April and and we have all the replays of those available to still the um of the event. We're trying to figure out what is what does generational wealth mean to you? And mm-hmm. we can go back to a second too of student loans are a big one, right? We Fuck. hear from so many moms that are like, I just don't want my kids to have student loan debt. Yeah. And the hardest thing to tell them is you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first, which means if you're not saving enough for retirement, if you haven't taken a look at a retirement calculator and made sure you're on track, you have to do that first because as much as we all have our own baggage and our own shit about student loan debt, which 100% is valid, it's really kicking the can down the road. So if you sabotage your own retirement to pay for your kid's college, likely what will happen is by the time you're at retirement age, you're going to need help. Right. And you're going to turn to them even if you really don't want to. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a hard thing to hear. It's a hard thing to handle, but we can't stop there because if I hear sometimes financial advisors, I was on a panel, I think two years ago where we were having this conversation about student loans versus retirement. And the guy was like, I just tell the parents I work with hard stop. If they're not on track for retirement, we're not saving for college. And I was like, they're never going to listen to you. They're going to walk out of the office and they're going to go away because we care about our kids and we don't want them to have the same stress that we have. Mm Self-sacrifice. That self-sacrifice. And so instead, I want you to understand that there are other ways to help your kids with college, right? So if you're not going to be in a position to pay for all of their school or even any of their school, that does not mean you can't help them. You can go and listen to the podcast and read the books about what are the best ways to fill out the FAFSA so you get the most financial aid possible. What are the scholarships you can help your kid apply to? Can you help them understand if you go to A school versus B school, what those student loans are going to look like? And then Once you've figured that out, maybe they do end up with some student loans, but if you focus instead on your own retirement and building your own career, maybe you're at a point by the time they have those student loans that you can help them pay them off, Mm -hmm. right? Or that you can, but you have to do your own stuff first because that time value of money is really important. If your kids aren't going to college until you're, you know, 50, 55, you know, whenever you had kids, maybe older. You don't have a lot of time to re- for retirement. So if you start saving for retirement, then you don't get that compound growth that you really need to make retirement possible. You're putting a lot of stress on yourself and a lot of stress on your family. Mm-hmm. One of the things we operate with in our household is what we call the family financial ecosystem, which is how do we make sure that everyone in our ecosystem, me, my kids, my parents, are all as stable as possible and thriving at any given time, right? If we do, if one of us does something to help the other that destabilizes any of the system, we end up in a place of greater struggle, right? So when we talk about the lessons we want to teach our kids, we want them to have a good money mindset. We want them, you know, we do want to support them. I would, you know, I'm, our goal is to pay for them to go to college and to have other assets as well. We have different, but we're also in that place of privilege. But the biggest lesson we teach them all the time is that you have the skills and resources to earn all the money that you've ever need. Mm-hmm. And we teach them, they're six and four. Say that again. I want to, I want to just really underscore that. Please say that again. You have all the skills and resources to earn all the money you'll ever need. Yeah. And this is something we tell them constantly. My six-year-old can parrot it back to you. 
And the reason for that is, is one of the legacies we want to leave is a problem solving mindset when it comes to money, that we don't worry about scarcity or abundance or either of those things, but that when they come up against something that they want to achieve, paying off student loans or buying a fancy vacation house, I don't care, or anywhere in between. I don't want them to think I can't, or I can't afford it, or that's a waste of money. I want them to look at it and say, do I care enough to find a solution to this problem and then find the solution? Because even my kid who's six, when he sees a really cool Lego, he will come up with ways to get the money, right? Like he will talk to Gigi and say, can I pick up dog poop in your backyard for $5 and I'll do this and they will figure it out. And if you can give them that confidence in their own abilities and their own value, that is a major legacy gift, Mm -hmm. right? And so all of this comes together, but I I love that you've thought about what you want to help them do. And I think that Gen Z, Gen Alpha and millennials to a point too, because we're now really in that, I'm a millennial or really in that sandwich generation where our parents are getting older and approaching retirement, but because our parents faced, you know, the 2008 crisis, they might not be prepared for retirement. And we've got young kids a lot of that wealth is being held until it gets passed down at inheritance, right? Until our parents like legitimate, like pass away and leave a house or whatever it is. So when we think about legacy too, remember that it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can give your kids help when they need it most. That can be helping pay for college. That can be helping with their first down payment, not to make their lives, you know, cushy silver spoon, but to give them a leg up. And I think that this too, we live in a capitalist society. There's a lot of feelings about the morality of billionaires and hundred millionaires and these people who have amassed wealth at the detriment of other people. <laughs> right. We're recording this when Elon Musk just paid $44 billion for Twitter. And I'm yeah. like, what? Oh, anyway. And we can get into a whole conversation. A whole different like, conversation. Please continue. <laughs> I'm like now distracted. Hold on. Okay. Pulling it back. There's a difference between people who are hoarding massive amounts of wealth and you giving your kid $25,000 to help with a down payment. Like those are not the same things. And so you have to work on your own mindset too, of like, you might have a lot of anger at that level of wealth and the breakdown of capitalism and where it doesn't work. And that can exist with giving your kids a little bit of help. Like Mm -hmm. that is not going to make your kids, you know, entitled silver spoon, whatever phrase you want to use kids. This is just you deciding, you know, what are the values? How are we going to help them out so that everyone is as stable as can be? Thank you. And I, and I really wanted just to make that distinction and I don't want them to, I don't want to just like give them a, um, a monthly allowance when they're, when they're adults. To me, that's like, that just creates entitlement. Again, that is my own opinion. If you listening want to do that for your children, by all means, knock yourself out. It was a very (laughs) personal decision and a distinction I had to make. It's like, what will give them a leg up to have them, to have their life be a little bit easier and also not have them feel entitled. I do want to, before we're looking like we're going to run out of time. And I wanted to ask this specifically for mothers um, and, and, you know, maybe even people who are, who are in partnerships who don't have children might be in this situation. And it's, it's people who, you know, typically it's like the stay at home mother who does not work outside the home or someone in a partnership who doesn't work outside the home and their partners typically take care of all of the finances. What advice do you have for them? Or maybe maybe the people, maybe the women do work, but they've kind of given it all up to their partner and they're not sure what's going on with the finances. What advice do you have for them? Get involved. Yeah. Know where the Stop accounts it right are. Now. <laughs> Don't do that. I, That's your advice. <laughs> I, 
it is. And it's, it's one of those things where we try in general to be, I am very open to the fact that there are multiple ways to do money and one mm-hmm. system doesn't work for everybody. And, and that is 100% the case. And we want this to be a no shame, no judgment place all the time. This is one place where I have a lot of tough love advice, which is get involved, know what the accounts are, know where your investments are, know how it all works and flows. I'd love you to be even involved in the day-to-day management. I want you to, as a stay-at-home parent or somebody who just doesn't you know, have an income or makes less than your partner, embrace your financial power. You probably still make a lot of the purchasing decisions in the home. If you're the one that is at home, you likely are the one who does all the research on where you're going to get a mortgage or something like that. Embrace the fact that you do have an impact on your family's financial life. Mm-hmm. But the reason we talk about this is there will be, for most women, there will be a point in your life where you are the only one that is control in control of that money. Whether your partner passes before you, which is statistically the, what's going to happen, whether you get divorced, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, or your your partner is incapacitated, right? There is going to be a point where you have to take the reins, and that is going to be so much harder if you have no idea what's going on. Right. So much harder. And the, the thing I want to touch on too, and this is where this is a hard conversation and we know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to touch on it. 99% of abuse cases start with financial abuse. Mm-hmm. Financial abuse is the number one most common form of abuse in the country. And most people don't even know what it is. <laughs> they don't know what it looks like. You mean? They don't know what it looks like. They don't know what it means. And so it's restricting access to financial information. It's sabotaging your ability to work. We hear from moms sometimes who have ended up in these situations that say, hey, you know, we were going to have a baby. My partner really wanted me to be a stay-at-home mom for at least the first couple of years. So we agreed that like I'd be a stay-at-home mom until our kid turned two. Now our kid is five. And every time I try to bring it up or apply for a job, I get shot down or he tells me not to or like... And now I feel very stuck. And at the same time, I've lost any control of, of our finances, right? Like I've he's changed the passwords on the account, whatever it is. These things happen all of the time. And even if you're looking at a, your partner and you're saying that would never, ever, ever happen to me, just protect yourself and model on model being involved in an active member to anyone else in your life, your friends, your kids, your nieces and nephews, let them know that this has to be an equal partnership because We've also, there's a very specific story where the, the partner literally got a head injury at work. Like his personality was changed overnight. He was in the hospital. He came home. He was a different person. If that's what you need to think about versus like we get divorced or mm-hmm. he does something. If if that is easier for you to picture of like, what if something just mer- crazy happened and he was a different person? Would I be able to protect myself? I want you to be safe. Um, and I want if something bad does happen, that you don't have to have finances be one of the reasons that you're stressed going through those moments. We have a product called our Family Emergency Binder, which is this big fillable document that basically organizes everything in your financial life, your kids' medical information, all that kind of stuff. Um, I had both of my parents lost a parent when they were young. Things happen, right? You, whether it's natural disasters, you know, your home floods, whatever, where you need access to this information quickly, or the person who normally does it is not available. We definitely saw this happen a lot through COVID. Mm-hmm. So this binder kind of lays that out. And so this is the last thing of like, if you're a f- person who hasn't been involved, 
we have found and heard anecdotally that the binder is a great way to start that conversation for you to purchase it and start to try to fill it out. And when you hit things that you don't know or don't have access to, the ability to go to your partner and say, hey, so I'm filling this out because I think it'd be really just safe and helpful if I had to take over. Can you Mm -hmm. just explain to me where this is? And so Using that as a an easy way to come into the conversation, not in a point of blame, not in a point of mm-hmm. argument, fear, but just right. I want to know. Can you help just me fill this out? Preparedness, kind of like the list you leave, leave for the babysitter. Exactly, one hundred percent. And so that can be a good place to start. But yeah, if you're somebody who's not involved, you know, first things first, you have more financial power than you think. Just because you do not, you're not a primary income earner in the home, does not mean that you do not have major impact on your family's financial mm-hmm. success or lack thereof. And on the other side you have to be involved and you have to take take ownership. That's a great resource. Thank you. And this, these will all be in the show notes, everyone. And I also want to, to point out, so we had a guest on the podcast uh, in previous months named Laura Danger. And she's on, that's literally her name, which I think it's still like such a cool <laughs> name. But she she's that darn chat on TikTok. And she talks a lot about the division of labor. And she has... I think she has like a playlist on TikTok where she talks about the argument of, you know, if you're looking at like a, like a heterosexual couple where the, the man says, you know, I'm the one who makes the money. So it makes me a little bit sick. I'm the one that makes the money. My wife stays home and therefore, you know, I'm in charge of the finances and she doesn't really have a leg to stand on. And I'm obviously exaggerating that machismo kind of riff. But <laughs> you're not exaggerating. She, that happens right? all the time. <laughs> there are people that, that, anyway, so she breaks down down really simple arguments. And, and, and I'm using the term argument loosely here, but conversation starters to really prove the point of both of you are equally as valuable. And just to squash that argument of kind of like, quote unquote, the man has the say in all of the financial decisions type of thing. So I just want people to be prepared. And thank you also for that tidbit about financial abuse. I had no idea how prevalent it was like, I'm kind of surprised, but, but not surprised. And, um, my apologies for audibly gasping, but just my, I think about these listeners and I'm like, oh my God, if that's happening to you, can, can I come over and beat up whoever's doing that? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And if you are in a situation like that, we do have a pinned story on our Instagram about the signs of financial abuse. Um, and there are places where, you know, we talk about, we have a podcast episode too of like, there's the, this is good and healthy. There's the raise your eyebrow. I don't know how I feel about that. And then there's like the major red flags. And this is a place where there is a lot of gray area, right? But if you're feeling like you might be in one of these situations, check that story out and feel free to email me. I'm happy to send you resources and tools um, to understand and to start a conversation if you think that's safe or you know who to reach out to if you need if you need greater help. Because it is very common and it's a tool of control, right? We, mm-hmm. come, we can tie it all the way back to the beginning with Maslow's hierarchy. If somebody controls your ability to keep a roof over your head and food in your mouth, and especially if you have kids, that puts you in a very, very difficult position. Right. It's just something to watch out to for your friends too. Yeah, it's just it's highly manipulative and and like you said, just controlling. Um, so oh, yeah. you are at smart Mo- smart money mamas on Instagram, and I am I'm following you. This has been so incredibly helpful. Thank you so much. Where do you want people to go? Do you have like regular online groups that you you teach? I know all all these links will be in the show notes, but where do you want people to go right now? Sure. So if you go to smartmoneymamas.com, that's where all of our content lives. We do 
create content across multiple platforms. We have blogs, we have a YouTube channel, we have an active TikTok account and Instagram account. And so those are all great places to go. If you want more help and ongoing support working on your money journey, we have the Motivated Mama Society, which is our monthly membership community. And that's really where our core course is that walks you through mindset and setting goals that work with your personality and your values um, through to creating a system that works for you. And then there's obviously ongoing support from me and, and masterclasses in there as well. But I'd head to smartmoneymamas.com. That's where you'll find absolutely everything we're doing. Thank you so much. It's such an important conversation. And <laughs> I'm so glad that, again, I can have people on who know more about it than I do. And everyone listening, thank you so much for your time. It is I'm so grateful that you choose to spend it with my guests and me. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes. AndreaOwen.com slash free. And you just sign up. You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.